another episode of Life in the Urban City podcast. I'm your host, Paul Hudak. Um, and today, joined, as always, uh, with our executive director, Eric Vasquez. Eric, welcome to the podcast again. Um, do you mind just catching up? How, how's your week been? What's been going on? What have you been dealing with this week? Yeah, what's up, everybody? Um, our week's been pretty cool, pretty busy. We're working on some county stuff where we're doing some uh, work with the Office of Violence Prevention, some trauma prevention initiatives, um, where we're doing some street outreach and supporting Pomona specifically um, with some ambassadors and some support staff that are out there feet to the ground, uh, really working with community members to bring the resources they need to avoid uh, getting in situations where violence is occurring. And then we're also like responding quickly and swiftly to those things. We also have some youth development and diversion work. Um, the development piece is especially important to us. That's what we've been doing for a long time. And now we're more formally getting involved in diversion work. So we're partnered up with Pomona PD and a collaborative of other CBOs, community-based organizations uh, that are just doing great work. And then we also have like some work uh, uh, with the uh, Police Oversight Commission. I chair that currently. And you know, I have a vested interest in that. Want to make sure I represent my community well. Um, and then I'm mentoring all the time, man. You know, we got a lot of dope things happening here at ju for y and a lot of my mentees are now getting older and needing different types of supports. And we're just trying to be fluid and, and help them. And today, like, it's kind of a weird day because I have to attend the funeral um, of one of our young people that lost their lives. And, you know, those things are not easy especially when you've mentored them for so long and then their young lives are snatched. Um, it's, it's a weird day and I'm dealing with the, an array of emotions, but I'm here and uh, I'm glad to be with you guys. Yeah, thanks Eric for that. Yeah. Mm. Does it sound like you're doing enough? Um, I think you'd always do a little bit more. <laughs> um, but for this month, the month of January, it's um, National Mentoring Month. Um, and to highlight that, I really wanted to just speak today with you, just like what it's like mentoring, some of your experiences mentoring. I mean, you kind of hit it there, the highs and the lows of mentoring. Um, and so I, I, to start us off, I just want to hear is like, what was your first experience with mentoring, whether it was you mentoring someone or you being mentored? I think it really started with me mentoring someone. Uh, I went without mentorship for most of my young life, and I really needed it. And because of that void, I was passionate about filling it in the lives of others. So the earliest I can remember, like real, real, real mentorship was with this cat, and shout out to him, <laughs> if he ever hears this, uh, Tim Lozano, um, or Peanut, this youngster named Peanut, in the El Monte area, Baldwin Park area, I was a young buck. My life had just turned for the good, thank God. Um, and I started really connecting with these two and, and walking with them. And um, there's this, I, I've talked about this a lot, but if you're a reader, read Paul Farmer, this ideal of accompaniment. I feel like that's what mentorship is. It's like being committed through the seasons, right? The good, the bad, the ugly, the successes and the failures. Um, both of these boys were in tough positions. They were trying to find themselves. One was kind of deep in the gang lifestyle and eventually succumbed to addiction. And then 
um, the other young man was just more of like an identity crisis, like needing a lot of support and accompaniment. And that was, those were beautiful years, man. We did so much and any free moment I had, I was with those cats. You know, I, had, I was a young bachelor. I had a little bachelor pad in Whittier, California. And, um, you know, these fools would be over my pad 24 seven, uh, basically living with me, you know? Um, and we would do all kinds of cool stuff like helping the needy, feeding the homeless, you know, some sports stuff with other youngsters in my city, uh, working on their homework with them, encouraging them to finish school, all kinds of stuff, man. So it was a great experience. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I remember my first one too, like I just, you know, just working with youth um, for pretty much most of my life and just having the conversations. And um, I remember when I first started working with Justice for Youth, these kids I first started with is like, we're now graduating high school and just went and took photos and one one of the guys he's trying to pursue like a career in like rapping and stuff like that and he asked me he's like hey man like do you mind being in one of my music videos one time and, and just like seeing the full circle um and just seeing seeing the growth within these individuals and their crazy you know youth ages where they're just wilding out the entire time and it's like banging your head against the wall working with them um but just know like because i mean that i was in that same place as a kid um and just needed guidance and then um i think eric like another question is like who would you say i, I think i know the answer because i've known you for a while but um a mentor of yours that helped shape and change your life and what about this mentor really helped you well early on i had this dude named ruben uh, he was he was awesome man he believed in me he platformed me um that was a really good relationship. It wasn't like, it was like the first taste of mentorship that I'd ever gotten. And then after that, I had a handful of coaches that lightly member, mentored me, but in my young adult life, this man, Larry Acosta, has really been my, my go-to mentor. This dude um, is dope. This fool's a legend. I mean, even just dropping his name uh, people, there's probably thousands of people who would answer the same way I am. I don't know how the heck Larry mentors so many people, but he is an expert mentor. And uh, he's really helped me from everything like like when I was struggling on being a young dad, like uh, learning how to love my children well, um, to managing my crazy lifestyle. Like I'm pretty radical in a lot of my endeavors and you know, can get off balance pretty quick. And he's always just been like a steadying presence in my life. So, yeah, I would say those those three categories of people. Yeah, and I, I know Larry too. And that's why, I, that's exactly who I thought you were going to say was Larry Costa. Uh, and there's something special about that guy. Like, he just genuinely cares about everyone <laughs> he encounters um, and just deeply pours into them, which is impressive for one man to do for so many people. Yeah. Um, for me, I would say it would, would have been one of my professors from college, uh, Dr. Bill Cook or, or William Cook. Uh, he is one of the top scholars in the world for like Francis of Assisi and like the Catholic Church. And he really inspired me to give back to the community and to travel. Um, he runs his own uh, foundation called the Bill Cook Foundation and he helps support education in third world countries. Um, was single his whole life and adopted like seven different kids and just always interacting and working with him um, 
wanting, he definitely helped me kind of find the niche and, and like what I really want to desire in my life, which is working with the I Promise community. Um, and he just, he does it on a global scale for education, but I realized for me, it's like I, I want to do it for a global scale for just the fatherlessness, like want to help pursue and help those kids who don't have a father in life that are, are misguided um, and are easily influenced by other individuals because they just want that love and acceptance from their family. Um, and then another question I have for you, Eric, is um, how do you deal with the deep sorrow and the pain when it comes to mentoring? Um, as you mentioned earlier, you, you have a funeral today um, for one of your students and dealing with loss is never easy um, and the more you know of the individual the highs and the lows of that individual um, have different effects on us as humans um, and, and what do you do to to, to keep moving forward um, during these sorrowful times yeah and I, I know it's a tough question I know um, it's hard for you um, and just thinking about it, um, yeah, I, I think it would be very helpful for everyone who's listening to just, to maybe hear some things, and even if you don't have an answer, um, I think that's, that's still good. I think, um, man, I'm sorry, give me, like, uh, yeah, that's okay. Take your time, man. I know it's tough to think about and to, to hear and to just resonate. I think um, using, like remembering the moments that I had with them that were like pure and like uh, filled with hope and promise helps me deal with the sorrow. Um, remembering meaningful times that we shared that I know like meant a lot to them and and trying to get this big picture of like even if you know they lost their lives it my presence in their life might have been you know one of the few stabilizing or like positive things that existed for them. Um, I definitely do lean on people like, you know, Paul's seen me break down a handful of times over these past years because this has been a hard, hard year, a couple years for me because I've lost a lot of students. Um, so like friends like Paul and, and others that I know I can just kind of like let it out around and uh, mentors kind of where I'm able to process it, talk through it. And then I feel the other thing that helps is like redeeming their stories and letting them inform my, my next moves as a mentor is something that uh, helps me deal with the sorrow. But, you know, it, it comes and goes. And I try to always, you know, I'm, I'm a person of faith. So like I do believe that they're in a better place and you know in many of those moments I understood where they stood with their higher power uh, 
So I had hope that, you know, they're in a better place, not suffering as they may have been. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I'm answering the question. Sorry, I'm all over the place. No, no, I think you, you're definitely hitting it. Um, and just, yeah, working, it, it, it's tough. And I don't think there's one right answer for everyone, right? Everyone deals with pain and suffering a different way. Um, and resonating and connecting with people is very important. Um, you know, remembering of the positives in their life. Um, I probably do something that's unhealthy. I, I just dive deeper into my work because it's like, hey, like, I don't want another kid to go through what this kid went through. Um, so let me just work harder. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I know that's what I do a lot. No, yeah, I, I do the same. I think it could be good and bad, right? Like, yeah. we got to be careful, but I think it could be good and bad. And that, that definitely has been true for me in this round like I'm scratching my head like what more yeah. what more could we do to help prevent this in the future yeah and I guess and this kind of leads me to another question I have is like obviously we know a lot of the kids that we work with do things that we don't agree with um, whether it's finances socially you know whether it's following under the law and doing things that are unlawful, how do you deal with that um, in, in moral compass, right? Where like, you know, kids you're serving are doing some horrendous things. <clears throat> well, I think I have a trauma-informed lens. So I've never met a kid who was inherently evil. Hmm. I've never once met a child who intentionally wants to harm someone, you know? I, I have always had the opportunity to see them in their purest form, you know, in their childhood where their trauma contributes to the brokenness and the dysfunction that manifests in ways that we see in urban inner cities. Um, so I, in regard to the way I kind of manage it, with the moral compass is, you know, I see the good in them. And I know that there's always good in them and that they did not commit these acts because they're bad people, but they've been victims of trauma that has created this dysfunction in us. Um, and, it, and it helps me when I see it like that to humanize the person, not demonize and be able to um, get at the same level as them and not just feel I can offer them something, but go into relationship, understanding that I'm also a beneficiary from these relationships. And that, that all helps me as I mentor. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, because, and I think the big thing too is just having the conversations with the kids too. It's like knowing it's like, hey man, like I love you but I might not love your decisions. You know, I, I care for you and I want the best for you. I might not agree with your choices in life, but it, it doesn't mean that I don't want you to be present in my life. Um, and knowing that, that that's a big separation. That was one of the big big things I wanted to hear and to resonate with you. Cause I know mentoring, mentoring could take all forms and shapes in, in people's lives. You could do it in person. You could do it virtually via chat. You could do text messages. It could always be phone calls. Um, and 
I think the important is if you're out there and you're listening and you don't have a mentor, reach out. We want to help provide you a mentor. Um, it's something that we think everyone, whether you are well off or you're not, um, you, you're high in society or low in society, everyone deserves and needs a mentor in life. And we want to help provide that. Um, and then also, if you are a mentor out there, connect with us. We want to see what you're doing and how you are being successful as a mentor and supporting uh, people in the community. Um, and if you're struggling, like we want to provide you this this community so that you could have people to, to connect with so that you don't burn out as a mentor, as a youth worker, because youth workers have one of the highest turnover rates out of any job profession in the world. Um, most people don't last more than, you know, 16 months doing this. So we want to want to provide this support in this community for you. Um, any any last comments, Eric, before we just wrap it up and, and share with the network? <clears throat> just just stay focused on the mission, right, of mentoring and continue to value mentoring, continue to invest in the next generation of young people. They are our future. And remember that you can leverage your time, your treasures, your talents um, to benefit others, particularly um, those who are at promise, those who face many barriers, those who are often marginalized and forgotten and overlooked. So much love, everybody. Yeah. Stay up. Yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in uh, again for this podcast. Um, we're, we're actually going to try to do them more frequently to get them out to you guys on a more frequent basis. Um, if you have, please leave a comment, leave a review. Uh, share it with your friends and family so more people can hear what's going on. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Peace.